Hello, and welcome to the Niche Podcast for Friday, May 3rd, 2013. I'm Jonathan Stark. I'm Kelly Shaver. And we're here to talk about building apps that run everywhere. This week, we talk about Kelly's experiments with the Lua programming language and the possible implications for cross-platform development. Please stay tuned. The Niche Podcast is next. I think I did it right. You got it right that time, yeah. Uh, it's like a it's like one it's a record one week in a row. <laughs> you get a cookie. <laughs> yes, I could use a cookie. So if I sound loosey goosey, if I if I sound a little like free and easy. Yeah, you do a little bit. Do I? Yeah. It's because um now that I have this fancy office that I go to during the day occasionally, I left my microphone stand there. Mm. So I'm actually holding my mic holding like yeah. American Idol style. Wow. So yeah. yeah I'm, I'm too lazy for that. <laughs> I don't have anything. That, I'd, have, I'd have to improvise a mic stand. I have a huge bin of Tinker Toys here and I thought about it. Yeah. But I was like, if I do that, I'll probably have to sit forward at a desk and I really would rather recline. So yeah, that's, that's true. There's that. Yeah. So I'm reclined and uh, and untethered. I'm off yeah, you, stand. You sound you sound very mellow. <laughs> I am. It's been a long day and a long week. Yeah. And like you said, it's oh, only Wednesday. No kidding. Yeah, this has been this has been my battered and bruised week. Yeah, seriously. I mean, it, you, I assume you had cat fricassee for dinner. <laughs> I wanted to. <laughs> so for the yeah. dear listener. Well, so what was the, I, I think I have the story right about the original ankle injury, but I might not. I was telling Erica tonight, but you're, uh, yeah, I was out, I was out, um, going for a walk actually. And we've been going out to the high school track and just walking slash jogging around it. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was just totally not paying attention to what I was doing and I was busy talking and, and not looking where I was going and the track turned and I didn't and I stepped off the edge and twisted my ankle very badly. Oh God. Well, yeah. I did have the story right. And and let's be honest, you were looking at your phone. Uh, no, actually I didn't have my phone with me. <laughs> you know me, I never take my phone with me. Fuel band? No. No. How do you like that fuel band, by the way? I like it. I like yeah. it better better than the um better than the up band for what I want to use it for. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So anyway, so then you went to the doctor and you got crutches. Yes. And it started to get better until. Yeah. I went to the doctor and I got crutches and that lasted about a day and a half. And I said, you know, screw that. And I stole Richard's, uh, Richard's boot. Right. From when he broke his foot. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, yeah. The benefits of being spaz, like spaz family. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can just pass around the the medical, you know, the all the casts and braces and things. <laughs> the medical supplies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hmm. Yes, it's 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 sad. <laughs> if anyone ever needs a spare prosthetic eye, I've got one of those here too. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> but yeah, it was it was starting to feel a little bit better and I got up this morning and it was I hadn't made it to the point of putting the boot on yet. I was just, I got up and I took one step mm. and I stepped on a Lego block that the cat had left there. Like he dragged out of Kira's room. And uh, as you know, that's extremely painful. Yeah. There's only one move <laughs> yeah. that you make when you step yeah. on a Lego. Yeah. And I, I made that move. 
mm-hmm. and now I'm kind of back to square one. Yeah. Yeah. Cat fricassee. Yeah. I'm telling you, the only thing worse than stepping on a Lego, mm-hmm. four cider. Yeah. 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 Right on Done the heel. Yeah. Done that too. Oh, that hurts. It's a good thing your cat's not into D and D. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he's 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 stolen um, D twelve before, but not the not the fours. <laughs> uh, the four would hurt so bad. Yeah. So wow. So you can. So dear listener, you can see. You can imagine. It's it's been a long three day week so far. Not to mention wrestling with uh, the email protocol. Ah uh, yes, and, and all the actual work we've had to do. Too. Yeah, actual work. Spelunking around in WordPress config files and and wacky old database tables. There's just yeah. so so much going on there. Trying to figure out um, PHP's internal mail functions and working with uh, Amazon SES and not working with it and, and all that good stuff. Yeah, I mean, I I want to com- publicly commend Kelly for updating the config for send mail. Like you did, you did that like first try. That wasn't even the yeah. problem. That to, I was, I was very impressed by that. Actually, <laughs> I was like, and, and you know, and the 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 config that you posted, mm-hmm. unreadable. I mean, that was like Latin. I was like, I'm not even. I was like, I'm not even going to try and read this. I'm yeah, just gonna I didn't believe well, that it I, works. I didn't. I didn't really post it there for you to read. I posted it for my own reference because I wasn't going to try and figure it out again. <laughs> <laughs> Good idea. So, I mean, not to go into it too much, but the concept was we we wanted to use Amazon SES to send all of our email uh, for for reasons I won't go into, but it's a great way to send email and, um, you know, we have this huge WordPress install on top of it, and who knows how many calls there are to mail so like well why don't we just update the underlying thing that sends mail on the entire machine and then we never have to worry about it again yeah yeah and you just like totally nailed that out of the gate but then ph people the rug out from under us <laughs> yeah so anyway it's fixed yeah we ended up going the um not not using send mail at all and just connecting to uh, ses via smtp with a wordpress plugin but right yeah, it's fixed, and and now anything else we have to send from the server, not through PHP, will come. Uh, will we will still be piped through SES? Correct. So, so our any of our cron job logs and all that stuff, it'll yeah shoot to shoot to us appropriately. So so, listener, if you ever have to work with SES and uh, WordPress, go with SMTP. You'll be happy. Yep. We can recommend a plugin. <laughs> Exactly. A lot of them were at least two years old. Yeah, it seems like this is an old problem with WordPress, so it's it's, it's old and solved. Yeah. So anyway, but that's not what we want to talk about. We want to talk about the fun stuff. We want to talk about Lua. Yes. They should have. They should have just went all the way and called it Luau. Luau, yeah. <laughs> it'd be more. It'd be more mellow. Yeah, I wonder. It would, it I was, would the, it would fit the way we feel tonight. Yeah, I yeah. feel like it is a mellow. I feel like it's a mellow language. It feels that way. It's very chill. It is. I always picture like a, like a like a, a necklace of flowers, like like Lua developers wear like a lei in a Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, yeah, like flip flops. Hmm. If right. anything, you know, 
Yeah. Grass skirt. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> Grass kilt. So. Uh, uh, that's that's kind of scary considering Lua's primary usage is a um, embedded scripting language for a lot of game engines. So I'm picturing like these, you know, <laughs> bearded nerds in grass skirts. <laughs> these shirts come scripting, in. Scripting their wow engines. Yeah. Especially when like the old joke, what's the old joke? Like these t-shirts come in large, extra large and programmer. It's <laughs> you know? like the grass skirt. It's in the neck yeah. beard. Okay. So enough of that damaging image, that damaging <laughs> visual. So we'll Lua, to. Lua, I, every time it comes up, it, whenever I see, I don't know, so let's just start off by saying that I know next to nothing about Lua. Uh, I, I don't know a whole lot more than you do, but apparently I know enough to think we can talk about it. But you've written like a game, like a, a simple yeah. proof of concept game. And that's, that's a yeah. huge, that's like a quantum leap. So like I've messed around with like a hello world. And when we looked at that web script.io site, which mm -hmm. I think is super cool, but I have to admit, I never used it after originally thinking it was super cool and wrote like, it takes two seconds to learn Lua, uh, the basics. Yeah. And the syntax just so easy. And, uh, so I know like next to nothing about it, but every time it comes up, it comes up in this context of gaming. So I never pay that much attention to it. Yeah. And in my mind, it's kind of like related to Corona. Is Corona a Lua library? Do you, do you yeah, know? Yeah, Corona's a Lua, I guess it's a Lua engine for library, whatever you want to call it, for um, uh, iOS game development. I see. So it's like a runtime? Um, or is Corona more like, like, like Corona is to Rails as Lua is to Ruby? Uh, I believe the latter. Okay. That's my impression. It's like some kind of like Lua based framework, but yeah, for game engines. So I always think of it as like a game thing and I'm like not a game guy. So I immediately like, I've got other stuff to worry about, but, uh, but, uh, so, but there are like a, a bunch of things that came out of your experiment seem pretty interesting and, and worth, uh, looking into. Yeah. So, yeah. So what can you get, give like a, just like a rough idea for the dear listener of, of what the game is oh. and what I did. Yeah. Yeah. Or, let's start there. Yeah. Let's start there. Okay. Yeah. It's a, <clears throat> it's just a very basic little arcade game where you're flying a spaceship and shooting asteroids pretty much. And <laughs> that's all there is to it. Yeah. It's a side scroller basically. Yeah. Yeah. Side scrolling little arcade shooter. Mm -hmm. And, um, I'm using the, using the love. It's, it's called love is the game, little game engine that I'm using. And then you just write the Lua scripts and you can package it all up as a, as an executable for Mac, Linux, Windows, whatever. Yeah. And so in love handles the packaging part, like there's nothing about Lua that has anything to do with like packaging or anything like that. Right. Right. It's basically, you're just, just taking your, um, your Lua scripting and just dumping it in the compressed file that, that is the exe or the dot app or the, so. Yeah, it's like it's like a renamed zip file, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So why do you think So the fir the first thing I see like when you when I see a game like that, I'm like, okay. Conceptually there's not conceptually there's not there aren't that many elements to it. There's like a few mm -hmm. different asteroid images. There's like an asteroid, uh, sorry, there's a like a spaceship, I assume that's a uh, an image. Yeah. And, but the thing that 
and and you're like, oh, this would be really easy to render with HTML and and make it move with JavaScript or maybe CSS, maybe. But it would, but it would kind of be a pain to make a side yeah. scroller with HTML. But the thing that really would be brutal is collision mm -hmm. detection. Yeah, collision detection, sound effects. Well, oh, sound yeah. effects wouldn't be that big of a deal now, I guess. But yeah, it's getting better. Mm -hmm. But it still would be. I, I would have to look it up. You know, I yeah. wouldn't be able to just like hack my way through it. Yeah, the the collision detection definitely. Yeah. So, what do you think it is about? Is there something about Lua that makes collision detection easier, or is it something that's built into all of the frameworks that, uh, like, there's really two things: it's collision detection and physics. Mm -hmm. Um. Well, in, in the first place, I would say a couple of things. There are, there are libraries out there for both. Uh, there are a couple of collision detection libraries that I've looked into um, for this little thing that I built. I ended up just kind of rolling my own. Um, you know, I think, actually, I think what made it easier to do is just the, um, just how clean and simple the language is. Really? It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't get cluttered up with a lot of, I don't know, it, it just felt really, really clean. And so you know, you could you could write um, this sort of kind of complex thing and and not not um, you know overcomplicate or, or confuse yourself. Right. And for the benefit of people who haven't seen Loa, it remind the first thing I said when I saw it was like this looks just like CoffeeScript. Yeah, it it looks similar. Yeah, it's like uh, it, it's it has that sort of lack of. Uh, curly braces and se semicolons that you expect from like Python or, uh, or I guess Ruby. Ruby yeah. Um, is it, is it, is it significant white space or is that no? Or do they close their, their blo blocks are closed, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's just really, really clean looking. It almost looks like pseudo code. Yeah, and it almost does. Is that what you think is the, um, is that why you think it's, attractive to game developers just because the syntax is so clean? Uh, I think it's attractive to game developers because of that, because it has a really a, a low learning curve. And um, from, you know, from what I understand, uh, it's, it's very, it's designed to be embedded in other applications. So it's very easy to do that mm. sort of have a, maybe you have an engine, your game engine built in C, and then you want to allow people to script things in Lua. Mm -hmm. There's a, there's an API for doing that that's that's built in. And I see. So there's a lo like lots of bridges to other languages. Yeah. So the reason why this is most interesting to me, I guess there's a couple of reasons. One is that, um, like, sure, the syntax is clean and great, and that's really nice. Everybody always likes that. But is that an, is that enough incentive to learn another language no not really and 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 but looking at it it comes with all these different packaging options which is super compelling and it kind of reminds me of phone gap in a way where it's like you can write this thing and it's going to end up running just like it's supposed to run wherever yeah so that's yeah, cool right write your lua script or for one once and and then package it for all these different platforms. Mm -hmm. And you know, if you're doing a lot of things that tie into like manipulating stuff on the file system or or that kind of thing, then yeah, you may have to have okay, this is the Windows version, this is the Mac version. But just just for you know, just just basic basic sort of stuff like that, it's it's it feels like it is pretty much a, a write once run 
everywhere, quote unquote, where everywhere is um, a platform that supports the Lua runtime. Mm-hmm. Cool. So now if we sort of like, to, to sort of like keep this in the context of like our normal spiel, um, I, I don't feel like, I, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't feel like a lot of people who listen are really into writing games. So they're probably like, well, who cares about this? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it actually, actually had some other, in, some other interesting uses outside of, outside of games that I have discovered when I was looking into it. Oh, cool. So what are those before we go into the, um, the, uh, Adobe Lightroom, the interface is built in Lua. Oh yeah. Yeah. So you can extend it with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, MySQL workbench plugin system is Lua. Really? Yeah. Yeah, and um, Apache and Nginx can both uh, execute Lua. What do you... As what? Like, um, the way like, that... like any, anywhere within the re- the whole request response process, you can you can inject um, some some Lua code in there to, to do something. Like like in the same sort of way that Mod PHP works. Yeah. With Apache, like you you like activate a Lua plugin in, in Apache hands off. Dot Lua requests to. Uh, I don't know about handing off dot Lua request. I think it's more like, I think it's more like. Um, I haven't I haven't really looked into it much with Apache. I just read that just a few minutes ago, mm. but I know I know with Nginx you can you can actually directly manipulate the data that's coming in with a with Lua script and that's embedded in your server like config oh, file. I see what you mean. Wow, geez, who yeah. would, God, who would go that deep into a web server? <laughs> I guess that's cool though. I mean, if you have like a, if you have like a real lightweight web server like that, you might want, you might explicitly want it so that you can customize it simply to do a very particular thing for your use right. case. You could, if you have, a, if you're doing something, you could potentially build your, your whole system there on top of directly on top of your web server. Mm-hmm. If you're, if you're like, if you're serving some, some specific need. Wow. If you're crazy, because I would never do that. <laughs> that's like, that's, that's very interesting though. So I kind of want to try it. Yeah. Just to like get a feel for it. Like yeah. the whole, the whole thing, like every time I see it pop up, I'm like, damn, this is really cool and like robust and I don't have a use for it, but it's, <laughs> or at least I don't think I do mm-hmm. because of almost like the, the, um, the, uh, I want to say reputation of it. Like, it's a it's for game programmers but yeah you know, that, that is its primary use yeah so but so the the thing the thing about it that i think is compelling for people who are doing like web apps and uh and building apis and and you know trying to reach this sort of global market regardless of what device they're on is that it does have tons of um integration with different environments so that's really cool. And the other thing is that I feel like there's becoming a neat, like a, becoming um, a, a, I wouldn't say a demand, but I would say that people are getting so used to physics in the, like the user interface of, of touch devices. Mm-hmm. And even, even if it's just like, you know, the, the bounce back on a scroll on a scrolling list or if it's like um the sort of deceleration of a carousel that you flicked and it's just all os stuff on like ios or like windows phone has like unbelievably gorgeous animations yeah 
uh, 3D animations are beautiful in the whole interface. And you could sort of say that they're gratuitous, but it definitely enhances the experience. Mm -hmm. And if you are using a device like eight hours a day on and off or 24 hours a day on and off, if you're me, <laughs> yeah. you know, a small enhancement like that, or, or, well, it's actually a big enhancement, but you know, a sort of cosmetic enhancement, if you will, becomes like a big deal. It's especially, I think, useful for touch because it makes things look like they're responding more like things in the real world. Yeah, it makes it look like they're actually responding to a, a physical touch. Right. Yeah, the rubber banding and all that. Yeah. So then you get inside of an application, you get inside of a web app, let's say, or you get inside of a PhoneGap app, uh, and it's, it is a pain to make any of that stuff work. And it's like, like you, could, you could easily double your code base trying to get like rubber banding on a list view working. Yeah. Yeah. And you get, you know, you, and when you're in this situation of, of building stuff for mobile or for, you know, for smartphones is constantly this tension between how much polish you want to add. And at this sort of point of diminishing returns where in order to add 10% more polish, you have to add, you have to double your code base. Yeah. 80% more code for 10% more polish. Right. And that, but then it's like then it's like a self-defeating thing because you add that more code and maybe you make that thing work, but then you degrade the performance of everything else. <laughs> yeah, been there, done that. But I feel like eventually, they'll eventually there'll be an expectation that even productivity apps and utility applications are going to have uh, physics and maybe even three D animation. They definitely have animations, probably have 3d animations and and certainly have physics style reactions and i could even imagine user interfaces that even in productivity software that needed collision detection yeah i can too and i think that's only going to become even more uh even more relevant as we start to get into uh touchless gestures yeah and 3d touchless gestures yeah like not just not just swipe left and right and up and down, but also like connect and Mayo and and leap motion detect how the Z index, which so you know how yeah. close you are to the interface and how far away you are, and it's unbelievably sensitive. So to to then to then take input that is so uh, refined, and then just use it to manipulate this like 2D space in this very clunky, chunky way is going to, it's just not going to be compelling. Yeah, it's going to feel very awkward. Yes, yes. It's like, um, you know, like, like uh, playing guitar with gloves on. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just like, what? Like, this is awful. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. And actually, I'm I'm very interested about the idea of, of taking something like this little game engine and maybe a physics library or two and seeing about building, building an app that's, that's you know, not a game. <laughs> maybe it's a, a little productivity app or some kind of monitoring tool or. It has to be a to-do list. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's either going to be, a, it's either going to be a to-do list or a Twitter client. Let's face yeah, it. Right, right, right. Those are the, it's like the hello world of building an app. Yeah. To-do list or Twitter app. So, yeah. So, I mean, I think the, big story i feel like there will be a convergence of um of 
the gaming physics and the, yeah, like the gaming developers and the the productivity developers and the web developers. I feel like they're all gonna end up creating. You know, if you're creating an interface, you're creating an interface, and certainly you don't have to go to the lengths of like say an Eve Online style interface to interact with Salesforce. But <laughs> you know, I mean, my friends and I used to joke about years ago when we first started playing Halo. We were like, when is Microsoft going to release Halo Meeting? Yeah. You know, because we yeah. that's what we used to do. We used to just go in Halo. You know, we're all in like all over the Northeast uh, US. We hardly ever got to see each other. And we'd all like plan to like go, you know, oh, tonight we're all going to play Halo. And right. then half the time we just stand in a room where people like bombs going off around us. We like hang out and talk. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've done that many, many times. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Like we could just talk on the phone, but it's so much different doing it in a 3D space. Yeah. And I mean, it's way better than, it's way better than like video chat. I don't know why. <laughs> I'd rather, so I'd rather video chat with my kid, but if I'm going to hang out with yeah. my friends, I'd rather be in Halo because then you can like blow stuff up occasionally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I, so I'm, I don't know. I'm not so, a big fan of video chat. I'm always self-conscious. Oh, I have to put on pants. Yeah. Well, you don't have to put on pants. <laughs> no. No, you just, just don't stand up. No. Just wear Like I normally around the house, I just wear like a tuxedo jacket and no pants. Yeah. <laughs> just for those conference calls yeah and socks yeah yeah no i'm always i'm like winnie the pooing it all the time <laughs> so anyway off track there <laughs> so it'd be interesting i i i would not be surprised i don't think this is right around the corner but i would not be surprised to see a convergence of uh of like more game style not gamification not any of that bs marketing stuff but like actual game programming yeah inside like the immersive like, environment sort yeah of. like inside of a salesforce app yeah like there's this ongo ongoing debate in the in um in mobile development about whether or not you should look platform resident when you build an application yeah so and i feel very strongly of course, there are exceptions, but I feel very strongly that your default should be that you your app should look like your app and like your brand, and it should only it should only make affordances for the particular platform it's on in very specific cases. But yeah. by and large, users should be able to go from an Android version to an iPhone version to a you know Windows Phone version and easily get around your interface without having to relearn it. Yeah, I agree. And I've I've seen apps where, seen apps where the interfaces change, a fair bit between platforms, and it's oh. just why. <laughs> yeah, I mean, forever Twitter on Android and Twitter on iOS were mm -hmm. just a complete disconnect. And Windows Instagram Instagram was for a while too, and it may still be. I haven't used it on Android in a while. Mm. Uh, Windows Phone is like a huge violator of this because the operating system is so in your face, I guess, like the, mm -hmm. the, the Metro interface is so in your face and it's nice, but it, it does have that kind of like, uh, my way or the highway feel to yeah. it. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to design how they want you to, or you're not going to be on their platform. Right. And apparently, cause I, I, I tweeted something about, um, I can't, I can't remember what the app was. It might have been Facebook. Like the Facebook app on Windows Phone is unusable, not because it's bad, 
but because I can't figure out how it's supposed to work, <laughs> you know, cause it's a very complicated app. There's like yeah. a ton of stuff going on in the Facebook application and I can't like, I use windows phone all the time, but I cannot figure out like, what does the back button do? What happens when I swipe left or right here? Because generally in the, in the Facebook application, uh, sorry, in the windows phone environment, swipe left and right in an app is reserved for switching between tabs. Mm. So there's no notion of like swipe to delete an item in a, in a list. So that, that gesture is basically banned on window windows phone. Oh, that would get, yeah, that's just breaking a lot of pretty much accepted patterns at this point on other platforms. Right. And it's, yeah. and it's not that it's bad. It's cool the way that they have it, but it's very like the OS is a little too pushy for me. Mm-hmm. And apparently it's actually enforced uh, in their approval process that because that, I tweeted like jokingly, I can't remember what the app was. I was like, um, how come this app is totally unusable on Windows Phone? Like, mm-hmm. why, do, why does it look exactly the same on iOS, Android, mobile web in every browser? And then Windows Phone, it's completely different. <laughs> it's because Microsoft made them do it that way. Yeah, I mean, that's what. I mean, somebody somebody tweeted that back to me. I have no idea what their experience level is with Windows Phone or, or who. I, you know, it's it was a while ago now, but um, but that was the impression. So my boy, I'm making a long story longer. The the <laughs> point is that uh, that I don't think that it's worth. I, like I said, with with rare exceptions, I don't think that you should give in to looking platform resident because yeah. that's that's the platform vendor trying to create more lock in. Yeah, and that's not there's nothing about that that's to you, that's advantageous to the developer except for things like affordances that have become commonplace, and that's where I would make exceptions. Right. But the funny thing is when, it, when people have that debate and you can be on one side or the other, but people debate, should you, or shouldn't you be? And everybody gives games a free pass. Like yeah. in, in that debate, everybody says the same thing as soon as they start talking about it. Like if, if, like, oh, if games should be the same. <laughs> yeah. So that's, and that's my, that was yeah. like my retort to everyone who's like a big, like, Oh no, it should look like an iOS app and it should look like an Android app. And I'm like, well, what about angry birds? <laughs> yeah. Like, why does Angry Birds get to look like Angry Birds everywhere? Yeah. Well, the games are different. I'm like, okay, well, why? why? Yeah. yeah, shouldn't shouldn't it be buttons? <laughs> you know, it's it's your app should look like your app, and and I, I obviously I understand that a game is an extreme, extremely graphic intensive like environment. You know, it's like a totally different type of thing because you don't have controls the same way that you do. Uh, with like uh, a Twitter like a client. list view or yeah right yeah you don't even have a list view so yeah. then so then the so man I'm making this longer than it needs to be <laughs> I'm good at that I, I see went, where you're going though I can yeah, see the I'm end like, I can see the light at the I'm end of the tunnel I'm slowly now. coming to a point I'm like really it's not a great point so I'm really trying to I'm really trying to like work it <laughs> build up the anticipation you can and do that. that point is that. All these apps are just going to be like games eventually yeah. in the sense that they, the sort of old school desktop metaphors of a button or, um, you know, like, like I don't, I'm not saying list views are going to go away or buttons are going to go away, but it's going to become a lot more like direct manipulation of, of business objects or objects yeah. of interest. 
Yeah. And and I can imagine a lot more physics, a lot more, uh, you know, collision detection for lack of a, you know, it, and and seeing like, um, the the platform start to disappear when you're in the app. Yeah, it's going to become a lot more immersive, and it's going to be less less here's a here's a thing you use, and more like here's a, an environment that you interact with. Right. So the point being is I'm getting more and more interested in Lua. I guess that's the point. That's the, that's the outcome is that I'm getting more and more (laughs) interested in Lua. Yeah. It's, it's definitely piqued my interest now and I'm going to, going to do some experimenting with it in my copious free time. (laughs) Yeah. But so then big questions for me are, let's say, the sort of expectation of a user interface, even for a productivity or a utility app, becomes such that people are expecting it to be this immersive, almost game-like experience. I feel like that will be at the expense somewhat of some of the stuff that the web is totally good at, like uh, accessibility. Yeah, accessibility and just the just the rapid and easy dissemination of, of information. Right. I don't know how I feel about it. I kind of, I can, I'm sort of torn about the whole thing. Like if we went into this sort of gamey, gamey apps. Yeah. The, the sci-fi geek in me would be like, this is awesome. Awesome. Right. Right. (laughs) But then the flip side is like, well, there's, it's like impossible to imagine that something like that would be usable with a screen reader. Yeah. So this is, this is why your, your little gamey, app needs to pull all of its data uh, from your API. <laughs> yeah. I, I suppose that is the escape hatch. Yeah. Where it's like, well, you can play, you know, if the game really, if the interface is separate from the game, really, then you're like, oh, okay, well, you know, it's like slapping a, a really cool Halo interface on top of Zork. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you can still open up the. <laughs> oh, I just got the weirdest visual on that. That is yeah, like... me too. <laughs> oh God, I would love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess the API is the escape hatch, where it's like, um, you know, if you really need access to those data and services, you know, this this isn't the client for you because you yeah. can't use it for some reason, like you don't have fingers or whatever. <laughs> And, uh, but you, you've got these other options because this is just one interface for it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, again, that just kind of goes back to, to what we've been saying all along is regardless of how well designed your, your interface is and whether that intent is to be in purely informational or immersive or what have you, it's never going to be, you know, one, one interface is never going to be perfect for the perfect fit for everything. So. Yeah, that's for sure. Wow, I got a you know and a what have you both in that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> I, I we both have to drink. Yeah, I didn't get any booze. I know I said I was going what? to. I, to I, I know I said I was going to, but then I just I totally forgot. You promised yourself. I know it was going to be my reward <laughs> for absolutely nothing. But and then the <laughs> cat tried to kill you. Yeah. Well, that's probably enough. That's probably enough for this week, don't you think? Uh, probably. Yeah. Hopefully, we've piqued your interest in Lua and 
And if you have some kind of, if you have some kind of uh, need for that kind of a um, interface, then you can look into it, or you can just keep it on your radar. Yeah, as things develop. If nothing else, it's just a fun thing to play around with. I've enjoyed it, and we'll—I don't know—I'll I'll send you a link to my silly little game. Yeah, post it in I the show notes. I stuck a silly little, a silly little web page up for it. So cool. Well, of course, that will be in the show notes. Source code is on GitHub and all that. Natch. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so that's our show for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Kelly Shaper. And we hope you join us again next week for the Niche Podcast. See you later. Bye. <laughs>